Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. Hey, welcome back to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I am your host, Bill Kelly. Good to have you with us today. As uh, we look ahead to uh, 2024, there's a lot of prognostication about what's going to be happening uh, in Ottawa federally. And of course, there are still people, if you look at some of the pundits and some of the uh, columns being written these days, whether or not there's going to be an election. Uh, I think one of the other questions we might want to add to that discussion is do we know who the players are going to be in that election? Uh, is Justin Trudeau going to be there? Uh, Pierre Polyev certainly is. Uh, but there's some interesting uh, observations and some some rumblings going on in the federal NDP party. I want to bring that to our the attention of our next guest and get her read on this too. She is Dr. Laurie Turnbull, a professor and chair of public and international affairs at Dalhousie University. Uh, Laurie, great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Bill. It's always so nice to talk to you. As is with us too. I, mean, I want to swing back to, to to something that just seemed to be brewing, and this is basically something anecdotally that I'm hearing from some friends I've talked to over the last couple of days, media people that are hopefully still keeping their ears to the ground about what's happening politically. Uh, and we know that when you look at some of the projections, and there's a poll that just came out again today that that says that uh, the Justin Trudeau is probably about 18 to 20 points behind Polyev uh, right now, but course the election is not now uh but then they talk about uh, where the liberals might be and where the bloc might be uh there's very little talk about the ndp which is very troubling to people who support the ndp federally um and i i, I suppose the concern here with a lot of them in the party is jagmeet singh the guy who can actually get this this party moving again uh something they've been asking i guess since uh probably since jack layton uh left the party because with his untimely death uh and there's an interesting piece by uh, Tom Mulcair, I'm sure you read a couple of days ago, uh, where he talked about the, the political landscape and might happen. And the name that keeps popping up uh, in this conversation in hushed tones at this stage is Rachel Notley, uh, the former premier of Alberta. Uh, and that's still, by the way, a, a great answer to a trivia question. You know, who's an NDP premier in Alberta? People just shook their heads and said, oh, my God, it, it happened. But she's not your grandfather's NDPer. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people in the party right now that seem to be saying, maybe that's the kind of NDP we should be. Maybe, maybe this, this old fashioned way that, 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 you know, the traditional NDPers, you know, the, uh, the, the Tommy Douglases and even the Ed Broadbents uh, and others, uh, maybe that's yesterday's news and maybe we need a more progressive NDPer and maybe Jack Mead Singh is not that guy. What, what, what are you hearing in Ottawa? Okay. Yeah, I, I, hmm. I think part of the reason that we don't hear as much about the NDP's polling numbers is everybody always focuses on who's going to win the election. Mm -hmm. And the NDP typically have not been at the federal level. I say typically because Jack Layton and the NDP formed official yeah. opposition in 2011. Apart from that, I, don't th I think people have, have generally not thought about the NDP as being an alternative to government. Whoever's going to win, it's not going to be them. And so they don't get the same play which is probably, you know, in terms of the coverage of their popularity and things like that. And they have to be out of the ordinary, right? Like if they rise really high in the polls, then they get a bunch of coverage. But like it, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, to a certain extent, in that if the people aren't, if we're not talking about them as much, it's harder for them to climb in the polls. People, a lot of people vote strategically. And so if you're thinking the NDP are not going to win, they're probably not going to win. The electoral system is no friend to them. They end up coming second a lot of times where the liberals come first and they're just kind of not getting over that hurdle that gives them um, as many seats in the House as their share of the popular vote might suggest they should have. Like it, that, I think it is self-fulfilling at a certain point. But 
I think also uh, we've seen the decline of the NDP provincially in some parts of the country. Like we, we mentioned Rachel Notley, and I, I'm really looking forward to digging, in, digging into this. That was a time where the NDP were really doing well in, in Alberta for her to actually yeah. become premier. And even in the last election, they did quite well. It's just the seat breakdown was not to their to their favor, but I mean, did really well in Calgary. And like, there's certainly reason to think that that party is very competitive there. But if you look in Atlantic Canada, it's there, you know, it's on life support in Atlantic Canada. There's they barely cover the NDP's leaders speeches after an election kind of thing, right? Like it's, you know, so asking questions about where the existential purpose of the party is, um, even though federally, again, like they're, they're not seen as an alternative to government, they're doing better federally than they are in a lot of provinces. But that's, uh, the, I guess the question is, is okay, what are the NDP and what do they want to be and what do they need to be? Uh, and, and I agree with you. I mean, you go back to Jack Layton's uh, and, and the NDP's uh, performance in that particular election, but I, I, I kind of put an asterisk beside that for, for two reasons. Uh, first of all, the huge gains that they made in that election were all in Quebec. Uh, and, and that was essentially the Quebec voters saying, Michael Ignatieff, are you kidding? Uh, and they were pretty disenchanted with the block at that time. Oh yeah. Uh, and that was a one election thing. And plus the fact that Jack Layton was a very charismatic guy. I uh, knew Jack from provincial politics here in Ontario, and he he has that way. Even if you weren't a party supporter, you kind of like Jack. So I think all of those things played into it. And I think the true proof of that was in the next election, they lost all those seats uh, yeah. for a variety of reasons. Uh, and I feel bad I, I, as, as much as you can in politics for Paul Tom Mulcair. In 2015, I'm sure that in his mind, he thought, he I'm going to be the next prime minister. Now, they can't stand Stephen Harper. You know, he's he's toast. Uh, that Trudeau guy, yeah, but he's in third place. This is this is mine it, to lose. But he did lose it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, a couple of months later, they pulled the trap door on him, and, and he wasn't even the leader of the party anymore. But Notley seems to be different. Um, you know, it's not surprising that the, the, the province swung kind of back to the right wing and, and to uh, where they eventually ended up now. Uh, first of all, Jason Kenney, now with Smith. Uh, but the, the fact that there was a presence there and, and the questions that the people were asking when, when she got elected as premier of Alberta was, well, wait a second. It was just a couple of years ago at the, uh, the Alberta, it was in Alberta, as a matter of fact, when they had the policy convention, uh, where they adopted the leap manifesto, which basically said, shut down the oil industry altogether. And people like Avi Lewis and, and other voices were kind of the ones that were pushing the agenda there. Uh, and then she comes along and says, no, 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 no. We need this. In other words, she she's basically said, forget about all these ideological things that you as NDPers had. We've got to be pragmatic. Uh, and I think Mulcair tried to do that too, to a certain extent. Are the NDP ready for that, or are they simply comfortable in their own shoes here, being the third or fourth place party? Okay. So that is the question. That yeah. is the existential crisis that the NDP face for for and have faced for decades now. They have a particular decision to make, and it seems like that decision keeps coming to the party over and over again. Whereas the liberals and you know the conservatives now was the were the progressive conservatives and some iteration of that beforehand. These parties have um, have been seen as the ones that are are the alternatives to government, and so they have choices to make about how focused they want to be on different aspects of their support base and how true they want to be to preferences that then principles and values that they articulate because there's always this tension between are you a party that speaks directly to the values of your 
the, your base and you, you're very true to those and you don't compromise? Or are you more of an umbrella electoral machine party that takes in all kinds of people and then tries to kind of aggregate those interests and be competitive because you need lots of people to vote for you if you're going to win an election? Mm -hmm. The NDP comes at that in a, in a different way because it's almost like, yeah, they can decide we are going to be this grassroots party that is going to be true to those values, even if it means that we don't get, we, we're not competitive for, for the big chair, but we're still going to be true to that. Or do they want to be that electoral machine that is actually, you know, vying for that, for that vote and vying for a bigger share that would put them in a much bigger position in terms of, of power. And so with Jack Layton in 2011, they got a taste of that. They yeah. got a taste of the, oh, we hold on here, right? Like now we're, we, we're serious. Like we're, we've got over a hundred seats for the first time. And it, I think when you have a result like that, it changes the frame of reference in people's mind. It changes what party people think the party might be able to do. But then they go right back to the other way around, right? Where it's like the next election, they're back to. I think it would have been third place at that point. Yeah. Uh, Mulcair kind of swung and missed in the 2015 election because he was the only one talking about living within our means. Even Stephen Harper was saying, we need to spend some money. We need to grow things. Yeah. And Mulcair was kind of cranky about it. And so I think that's one of the reasons that he became not the change candidate the way that Trudeau did. But now, yeah, here we are. It's it's interesting because every time I hear these stories uh, with Mulcair and, and, and Leighton to a certain extent, and even with Rachel Notley in Alberta, I, I hearken back to, to Tony Blair, the, the, the former pre, pre, prime minister of, of the UK. Uh, he was the Labour Party, which is pretty much the equivalent of what the NDP are here. And, uh, and in his autobiography, I'm, I'm sure you read it, it was rather long and tedious and a lot of, of self-love there. But, uh, but there's an interesting political story, too, uh, because he took that party from that ideological Labour Party yeah. and, and basically convinced them, you want to win? You, you get a taste of it. You want to win? Then you got to be more pragmatic, and he moved yep. them a lot more to the center, and he did win uh, a couple of elections actually that he ended up winning. And I'm wondering if that battle is going on with the NDP here, and and uh, if, if it may be ha happening behind closed doors because we're not hearing a whole lot about it. Uh, but I guess you you know, as you say, is this party going to be sustainable, or are they going to start to say what do we need to do to win? Because I don't know that they're asking that question a lot. I don't know either, and this kind of brings me back to. Um, some of the, like the initial conversation we were having about Jagmeet Singh, because sometimes it strikes me, and I could be wrong about this, that he seems quite happy to put one foot in front of the other every day and do yeah. what he's doing. I don't get a big, like with Mulcair, he wanted to win. You could tell he wanted to be prime minister. He wanted to build on what Jack Layton had done in 2011. He really wanted to do that. And he wasn't successful at it, but there was no doubt that his mind was pragmatic. And I mean, he was somebody who came from Quebec politics as a leader of the liberals. He was not, he's, he's not a, a steeped in partisanship guy. He's not a, somebody who insists on things being a certain way. He, he is a very pragmatic person, love him or hate him. That's the way he thinks about things. I think he's a, that's, you know, mo much more his political game than, um, you know, some sort of like faithfulness and fidelity to party's core values and never shifting. Mm -hmm. So um, I think Jagmeet Singh seems to me that he wants these things that he wants to do with the liberals and he's kind of happy enough to agree to support the liberals if they get things done. And it's not that he's not um, concerned about the, the 
progress of the party. It just never seems to me that that political hunger kicks in for him. And he's going to now, you know, kind of go for the jugular with his confidence and supply agreement and find a way to wrench this so that the NDP gets something more out of it. Like, there always seems to me to be ways for him to jam the liberals and he doesn't. And maybe it's because he just wants to stick this out because he really wants to get pharmacare for people. Like in some ways, like he might actually be a policy oriented person who wants to do the right thing. And I'm complaining about him because he's not particularly, he's not politically cutthroat mm. enough, but I, I just find that there, there's something there that I, I think he's okay with the NDP in the position it's in. However, he's got a problem because the liberals are crowding him on the left. And so he doesn't like at a certain point, even if he's, if he's happy kind of doing this policy, more policy oriented and values oriented approach and caring a little less about the pragmatism that might make them win more seats, you got to still win more seats, right? Eventually he'll run out of time to do what he wants to do because the party will say, dude, we haven't, this has been three elections and we still only have 24, 25 MPs. And hasn't that been the past, the, the, the way the NDP have gone? Uh, where they basically, uh, they elect a leader, and I'll, I'll even go before, you know, Jack Layton, for, uh, you know, Audrey McDonough and, and others that have been, and basically it says, so how many elections are they going to have before they turf them? Because they are not going to win. Uh, yeah. I say, okay, fine. We gave you a shot and it's not happening. Uh, and I'm wondering what they're going to do. But you've interest, you raised an interesting proposal, and it's a nice segue into what I wanted to ask about. Uh, first of all, I agree with your perception. I don't think there's going to be an election this year. However, you never can tell the way things are going. But I don't see Jack Singh pulling the, the plug. And even if he does, that doesn't necessarily mean that we'd go to the polls. But you talked about ideology. And clearly, one of the things I think that's bothered an awful lot of liberal supporters that maybe even voted liberal in 2015 is that, as you mentioned, Trudeau has moved that party totally, uh, not left of center, but left, uh, and, and is shoving the NDP even further left, if that's possible. But that leaves a big opening in the middle. And Pierre Polyev, since he's taken over the Conservative Party, uh, whether he sees that and doesn't give a damn or whatever, there's a, a huge opportunity for him here to, 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 to bring in disenchanted liberal supporters in the past, yet he seems to be going the other way. Uh, yeah. He seems to be basically uh, emulating, uh, you know, Bernier and others. He he looks like I want people's party, the people that left the party, the extreme right wingers. I want them back. Uh, he doesn't need them to win, but he does need that middle of it. He doesn't seem to be doing anything to appeal to them. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I I wanted to make a point too about the different ways that the NDP's fortunes in different jurisdictions often depends on the rest of the political climate and the rest of the political. Um, you know, atmosphere and where the other parties are and what space there is for the NDP to fill. So in Alberta, where you don't see a particularly vibrant liberal party in the same way as you would in Ontario or something, there is a, and, and the the conservatives in Alberta are actually, or are, are obviously quite far to the right. There's a space to be pragmatic. There's a big space for Rachel Notley and whoever her success, successor will be, um, to appeal to more centrist voters. You don't have to hit far to the left. In fact, it would be politically disastrous to do so, I would think. There's a space there. Whereas in a province like Ontario, you've got the NDP and the Liberals fighting for the center and center-left space. Meanwhile, and then as Doug Ford raises his hands and says, look, I just want to make your life better and I want to have yeah. you know, give you your money back and you don't have to pay for your license renewal. And like, it's a very strange way that these, these different NDPs are competing in different political environments. But- for the, the, the for the federal NDP, yeah, I mean, we've got the conservatives polling to the right, the liberals polling way to the left. 
no, nobody's meeting the centrist voters in the middle, which most people say they are. And I think it's hard for Jagmeet Singh. It's going to be hard for him to explain, you know, where's where's the vote for the NDP that makes sense if what you really want is to avoid a polyev majority and it starts to look like, you know, the liberal vote's going to maybe collapse and polyev might actually be be attracting some people who used to vote NDP who are listening for some messaging for working class people who are working really hard and can't make their mortgage and can't make the rent. And so in, I'm, I, I think there is actually space that the NDP are leaving on the table that would have traditionally been their vote that might actually go to Polyev. Are labels bothering people and, and maybe mixing the, the people's minds up here? Because uh, we keep lowering those labels, you know, who's the liberal, who's the NDP. Yeah, That kind of varies from party to party, doesn't it, Laurie? I mean, you, we talked about Quebec politics, as we often do. Uh, Tom Mulcair was a liberal in, in Quebec politics. So was Jean Charest. The, the liberal party in Quebec is not a liberal party. Uh, you know, they, they're filling a void there. It's just as when Christy Clark was the premier of BC, the BC liberal party is not liberal in the traditional sense. They're a conservative party. Uh, and of course, you know, the, there was no conservative party per se there and they filled that void, but it's a very right of center, uh, party when, when Christy Clark was there, uh, just as, uh, Charest was, was a conservative, uh, premier in Alberta under the guise of, of the, the liberal banner. So you're right. I mean, those labels, uh, they really vary from part of the, what, depending on what part of the country you're in. Oh, hundred percent. And in Nova Scotia, when we had Stephen McNeil as a liberal yeah. premier for years, he was not a left guy at all. And even now the new leader, uh, Zach Churchill is, is proposing uh, two points off the HST if the liberals form the next government. And so you don't hear t the same messages from liberals across the country at the federal level level, the liberals are being criticized for having vacated that space that used to be the fiscally responsible liberal, right? Like there used to be blue li liberals. There used to be people in the party like Paul Martin who would sacrifice, um, you know, make the kinds of decisions that were difficult to make and difficult to tell people about because he wanted to come back to some economic balance. And the liberal liberals under Cretchen and Martin did that for years. I mean, to the point that there was, even though Nova Scotia is, is a place that elects a lot of liberals, 1997, not one, not one liberal MP. And so like, but you see now, like with Trudeau, the party has really moved out of that space, which I think in, you know, going back to that existential crisis that the NDP has to begin with, this makes it even worse. If there's something else happening on the left, that there might be another party that actually, you know, can can pick up some of those votes when people are concerned about progressive issues. I'm not sure. Um, I, to me, it's a lot of this is going to come down to trust issues. It's going to come down to who do you, if, if you are a progressive voter, you don't want Polyev, you want to vote. Who do you vote for? Trudeau or Singh? Because And that's the question, because I, as I look at where we were and, and where we are right now, where are those Gretchen liberals, those Paul Martin liberals, those John Manley uh, liberals. Yeah. I mean, they, these were, as you say, conservative liberals, you know, conservative fiscal policy. Uh, I mean, just to remind people, I mean, you know, when, when, when Kirchner took over in government, uh, when he won that election, beat Ken Campbell, sadly, uh, by such a huge margin, uh, the United Nations declared us as almost a third world country. I mean, our economics were in, in the, the, the toilet. Uh, you know, then Paul Martin comes along and becomes the, the, the finance minister. And we have 11 years of, 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 of actually surpluses. I mean, a lot of pain. I mean, it didn't happen easily, but I mean, that was how you manage the government. Of course, Harper takes over and bingo, we're right back into deficits again, but there still are those people that said, look at, you can still have 
a heart and be passionate at the same time, be fiscally responsible. Uh, we seem to want that message right now. I think that's what we're hearing as Canadians. I don't hear anybody in Ottawa singing that song. Yeah. And so, and it's, it's true. Like there's, there seem to be no more blue liberals. There seem to be no more red Tories at the federal level. This whole community of people who, even though on different, in different teams wearing different jerseys still would have had a lot in common. It seems like there's been a hollowing out of that space. And we see more on the extremes of, of things. We see more on the left, right, as opposed to people occupying different spots in the middle. Um, so I like for right now, I, I wonder, um, I think the, one of the key questions is going to be whether Polyev is able to connect on any of that, because even though I think he's like, he's trying to, I think he's aware that there are votes to be to be harnessed in that center. And I think sometimes when he when he appeals on the basis of like, hey, your dollar's not going far far enough. We we should be calibrating um various policies so that we don't continue to have this this housing crisis. We need to get more money back into your pocket. We need to figure out the inflation crisis. Like I think he's trying as much as he doesn't want to isolate the conservative base. He's trying to say things that will appeal on the mm -hmm. basis of just some sense of fiscal anchor. Because even like the liberals are losing their own base. Whenever Christian Freeland comes out with a budget or a fiscal update, you can hear liberals on all, all the political shows yeah. saying this, she, she talks about spending more responsibly and then you don't see it. And so there are votes to be, to be won there. There are Mulroney conservatives. There are Kretchen liberals. And, and as you say, Paul Martin liberals that are, they seem to be the ones that are saying right now, who's, who's listening to us, who speaks for us. Uh, and I think that's the, that great mass of disenchanted voters that are out there right now. Yeah. And, uh, they're looking for a champion and, and I, I, they don't see one in Ottawa right now. Uh, you know, that's the, the poly F thing is a little bit too extreme. Uh, the, the, the Trudeau thing is turned off an awful lot of liberals. Uh, you know, John Cretchen just recently celebrated a birthday. Uh, you know, him being chummy, chummy with Stephen Harper was an interesting picture at the same time, but it kind of reminded us yeah. that there was liberal strength and some ongoing liberal support during those Cretchen years. He wasn't perfect. Uh, no premier and no prime minister has been, but there was a, a certain charisma and maybe a confidence, Laurie, that they, okay, I don't like that about him and I don't like what they're doing here, but you know what? In general, life is pretty good. Uh, and people aren't mm -hmm. saying that anymore. And it's going to be fascinating to see if anybody looks at that middle and says, okay, we have to make a, a concerted effort to try to appeal to them. And I'm not so sure anybody does. They'd, they'd be glad to welcome them into the tent, but they're not doing a whole lot to bring them into the tent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, the only, I mean, obviously given the state of the polls right now, it would be hard to criticize Polyev's approach because it's mm -hmm. obviously working. Right. Yep. And he has listened somewhere along the way and done some things to change the way he communicates so that he's he's able, even though he's still polarizing, he's appealing more broadly. And, you know, so this this is working. I'm not suggesting that he's not doing the things that he needs to do. But to me, there is some limitation to his ability to appeal to that center who are looking for a home. Uh, somebody like a Christy Clark, to me, would be able to come in and 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 get a little bit farther with with that center crowd yeah. because that's where she staked herself out politically. Whereas Polyev, in many ways, is trying to manage the political career that he's always had, and he's trying to kind of pull himself to a place where he's a bit of a different guy and he's appealing differently. And I think that is working, but 
there's there's a he's still a polarizing person. And so the liberals, I think the fact that they're still they still seem I don't know, they they still seem to be going ahead with Trudeau. And okay, but I think they this must be under the assumption that there's a limitation to how popular Polyev will get. And I think Trudeau probably figures he can take him down a few points when the once the campaign actually begins in earnest. Okay, I know we got to wrap things up in a second here, but just on the other side of that coin, uh, there's a lot of rumor and speculation right now uh, about what's going to happen with Justin Trudeau. And I'm sure you've read the, a number of the pundits who are suggesting he's going to all of a sudden make a quick announcement and he's going to step down. Uh, and and one of the, Warren Kinsella, I think, wrote about this in his piece over the weekend as well, that uh, they're saying, look, it, uh, his dad did it February 29th, that, that walk in the snow during a cold winter night in Ottawa. Uh, and February 29th is coming up again. Uh, does Justin have any sense of history in anything? He doesn't strike me as the sort of individual that would look at historical significance and say, well, this is the anniversary of this or that, or even his dad's uh, decision to step down. He seems far more ideologically driven than he is by history and by, uh, by, uh, what's happened in the past, especially politically. Yeah. Yeah. The, the taking his own walk in the snow on February 29th, like his dad, that might be a little on the nose, but, um, I don't know. Like I, I, I still feel like they're actually, if, if they want to go to election in October, 2025, that's a long way away. There's yeah. enough time for him to, to do, to spend even a little more time. There's enough time for him to walk away and get somebody else in there. I think, um, you know, as much as I kind of felt I have felt about this. Like if he wanted to walk away, he would have, he would have done this by now. Why? Cause even from his own perspective, like if you, if you're not going to stay till the next election, then why on earth live this now? Right. Cause it can't be all that fun to be in the house of commons every day. Like I, you know, if he's going to go, why not just go? But there's enough time for him to, to step away, uh, for them to have a new process. I think there's a lot of, uh, possible risk to that right like i i can see all the same polls that everybody else can see that yeah. trudeau is part of the problem and a remake of the party a rebuild a reconstituted image a re re everything would be pretty well their only hope at this point and they could be looking at catastrophic results in the next election if they keep going the way things are going but it also could be the case that if the party doesn't really know where it wants to go you might have this mess where there's a leaders con leadership race and nobody really seems to be gathering momentum and the party's not making that much money and nobody seems to want the job. Ugh. I mean, it's prime minister. So of course somebody's going to want it, but sure. I think finding right, the can finding the right candidate is key or else you actually look like the party is just in some, you know, kind of directionless mess. So yeah, there are risks. Well, as we began the conversation talking about maybe some people in the federal NDP deciding what kind of a party do we need to be, uh, yeah. going forward. I don't think the liberals in, in the darkest hours ever thought that they'd have, a, have to have that kind of discussion about what kind of liberal party do we have to be, or do we want to be, uh, because they there's steady as she goes for the longest time right now, but that's changed. And that's, that's an interesting discussion when, and if it's going to be happening, Laurie, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this. I really enjoy you being on the program today. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Dr. Laurie Turnbull from Dalhousie University. And that's it for the Bill Kelly podcast. Uh, you can catch us anywhere where you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. Bill Kelly podcast brought to you by Wizens Law, personal injury lawyers. Listen, you didn't choose to get injured, but you can choose the right lawyer. Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 or wizenslaw.com.